This is Pastor Aaron at Oasis Baptist Church, and thank you for checking us out online. I pray that this message is an encouragement to you. Burden, that which is born or carried, a load, that which is born with labor or difficulty, that which is grievous, wearisome, or oppressive. Last week we closed out the the sermon looking at the burden that Nehemiah had received or had that he had from the, the news that he had received from his brother. The news that Jerusalem was not going well. That people were afflicted. That the walls were still had not been built. But really the complete opposite was true. That things were in rubble. The gates were under fire and things were not looking good at all. We left last week and I had asked the question, what is it? That burdens you? What is it that drives you to your knees? What is it that, 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 that breaks your heart, that you are broken over? Maybe it's your children, maybe it's your grandchildren, maybe you are burdened for someone that you love to come to know Christ. It's the soul of man. I know as I left, as some of you left last week, a couple of you made comments to me. You shook my hand, you gave me a hug, and you said some of that. I'm, I'm burdened for my children, I'm burdened for this, or I'm burdened for that. But what is that burden? We saw what Nehemiah's burden was with the city and the people. This week I was having lunch with someone from the church and they they had asked me this question. And we just had a great conversation. But they asked me the question of this and the question started out with faith. How is it that we can have crazy faith? Have you ever just thought of that? You, you see other Christians, you see people, and you think they have crazy faith. The things that they do, the things that they say, the, the, I, I always used to think when I was in college and I went to Liberty University and Dr. Falwell would share his story of how Thomas Road Baptist Church and Liberty University came about. I was always blown away and I was just enamored. How does somebody have faith to write a $100,000 check without $100,000 in the bank. How does this happen? And that was kind of the question that, that was asked at lunch. And so we begin to talk about that and having crazy faith. And that conversation led to last week's sermon, which ended with the burden. And, and as we sat and we talked, I, I ha, I, just in conversation, I was starting to think about my own burden. And I began to stop and I just, I looked across the table and I said, I honestly don't know if I could say that I've ever been burdened the way that Nehemiah was burdened. Part of me was like, man, that's, I'm, a, I'm ashamed of that. Here I am, I'm a pastor, I'm a father, I'm, I'm all these different things. But I, had, I sat there and I said, I said, I don't know that I could sit here and tell you I have been burdened in the manner that Nehemiah was burdened. He was broken. It took him to his knees. It didn't just take him to his knees for a moment. He wept. He mourned. It says in Nehemiah chapter 2 that that Nehemiah came to the king. And still in Nehemiah chapter 2, which was four months past all of what we've heard, Four months had gone on, and still, when Nehemiah approached the king, the king said, what is wrong? You are, you are mourning, you are hurting. For four months, he was broken over the people 
I was at that table and I, I don't know. And this morning, as we start really where we left off last week, I would ask this question as I've kind of prayed over really, I would say this goes back probably about a month or two months for me that I've been saying, God, uh, Dan came in my office not too long ago and it was the word burden was on the top of my, my whiteboard beside my desk as I was studying through this a couple months ago. And I, I have to, God, would you, would you truly place that burden upon my heart? Listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that I, I, I sat across the table and I said, I care for people. I've prayed for people. I've wept over this church. I've wept over things. I, I know that God has given me burdens and I know those things, but I don't recall that, that time, that thing where I was just literally completely broken, face down on the floor for months and months on end. And so as we start this morning, I ask that question to you. I ask you that question, are you burdened? Would you pray that God would give you a greater burden? Would we ask that question? Last week we started in Nehemiah chapter 1 there at the very beginning of this book and we'll continue to go through it, but we looked at this book and we looked at what Nehemiah was writing or what, what was written and we look at all of these things and we saw that he was hurting. We saw that he was burdened because of that. And this morning we're going to get into the beginning stages, I guess you, you will, a two-part sermon on what Nehemiah did. He was hurt. He was brought to his knees and he wept. He wept for a long time as he sought the face of God. Nehemiah's burden brought him closer to the Lord. We spoke of this several weeks ago that, that God does certain things for and in all of us. Where he will get us to a place where we recognize our need of Him. The trials and the tribulations that we go through. It is not just something that God's like, oh, let's just punish this person for a little while. No, He brings us to a place where we see and we recognize a need that we have. And that need is greater than us. That need is for Him. And for Nehemiah in this, this stage, in this place, he recognized again the need that he had for Him. More than ever, he realized that need of his Father. And I would say this again, that that need came from, for him, it was, I, I believe it was, a, it was more of a depth of burden because he already had such a relationship with God. And out of that relationship with God, that burden became more and more and more. And today, we look at this chapter, we look at a couple verses, the prayer that Nehemiah had began to pray. That goes, really, if you read the book of Nehemiah, it goes through, not necessarily this prayer, but Nehemiah is constantly in a matter of prayer. I believe, I, if I'm not mistaken, there's 12 or 13 different prayers inside of the book of Nehemiah. But this morning as we look at, he kind of starts off with six different things. Six different maybe ways in which he prayed or things that he brought to God. And this morning we're going to look at three of them. Next week we'll continue with the other three. But as God places a burden on our lives, it will cause us to build and look beyond ourselves. And we will be burdened to pray. The title of this morning's message is A Burdened to Pray. 
that we are burdened to pray. A burdened prayer will bring us to a place of praise, to a place of pleading with God and to a place of fervency towards God. If you have your Bible with you this morning, Nehemiah chapter 1, we'll start in verse number 4 where we left off last week and we'll go through verse number 6. And then as I stated next week, we'll finish out the rest of chapter number 1. Nehemiah chapter number 1, if you're unfamiliar with that, it's after Ezra, it is before Job, it is before Psalms and Proverbs and all of those, so it's in the Old Testament there. Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse number 4, And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth the covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Goes on in verse 6, let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants And confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. Father God, I come to you this morning. Lord, we praise you for who you are. God, this morning, would you use this prayer of Nehemiah's from thousands of years ago to help us, to encourage us in our own walk. Lord, would you burden us that we would be broken, that we would be on our knees before You. That God, You would move in us. Lord, as we've titled this whole series, Lord, that we would build beyond ourselves. And God, that You would do something greater inside of us that we would desire to seek You because You have something bigger than us in store for our lives. That could be in our families, that could be in our place of work, that could be in a a ministry that you may bring about in someone's life, whatever it would be, God. But you would burden us to seek your face. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. The first point this morning is a burdened prayer brings me to a place of praise. This morning as we look at this passage, there's so many different things that we can do on our own. I would guess when Nehemiah's brother came to him and he began to speak to him and he began to tell him all of the things that were taking place, Nehemiah probably, because of his position, though he wasn't a super, super powerful man, he had great influence with those that had that power. And I imagine that Nehemiah probably could have walked into that king's office. He could have walked into the king and he probably could have begun to do some things and said, listen, I'm going to implore to you, I'm going to ask you this prayer, or I'm going to ask you this thing, would you allow me to go back and can we go and can we just do this wall? Can we just go and handle this on our own? How many times we've come to a place where things aren't the way that we really would want them to be, and we, we just think to ourselves, well, if I do this, this, and this, I can handle this all on my own, right? I do it over and over and over again. I can handle this. Nehemiah went to the face of God. Nehemiah began to pray. I imagine he could have used his influence. I imagine he could have done a lot of different things. I read this quote this week by 
A Scottish novelist, George MacDonald, he said this, In whatever man does without God, he must fail miserably or succeed more miserably. In whatever man does without God, he must fail miserably or succeed more miserably. I made, I made a reference to Dr. Falwell just a few moments ago, but Dr. Falwell would say this all the time. There is nothing of great significance done for God apart from prayer. And he would also say this, and nothing of spiritual significance come without, comes without sacrifice. Your spirituality will always be measured by the size of your sacrifice. As I was studying this week and as I was reading this passage of Scripture, and I'm thinking that, that Nehemiah chose not to do things himself. He chose to take it to the one that could do something bigger and better than him. He chose to take his problem, his burden, to the face of God or to the, the feet of God. And I think of my own burden or I think of my own story. I think of anything that we have here. Do I do those things? Prayer, I believe, is one of the, if not the most powerful tools that we have. Yet I believe at the same time it's something that is just common and rehearsed in our lives. Most of our prayers are just common and rehearsed. Dear Heavenly Father, would you give us a great day? Father, would you bless my family? Thank you for the family that you've given to me. Father, I thank you for the health of my children. I thank you for the health of my wife. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for this. God, thank you. God, you are good. Thank you for being holy. Thank you for salvation. Most of our prayers are pretty rehearsed. And kind of standard, if you will. We don't tap into the power that God has. We don't toil over that. I read that quote with Dr. Falwell, there's sacrifice. How many of us have honestly sacrificed in our lives of prayer? Where we have wrestled with God where we have shed those tears or where we have went to that place where it is a genuine sacrifice for prayer. Most of us in this room, and I don't mean this to be whatever, but most of us in the room, we consider it a sacrifice if we get up an extra 10 minutes early and God is lucky that He gets to talk to me and see me in the morning 10 minutes before I have to take my shower. Oh, what a sacrifice it is to get up at 10 minutes till 5 as opposed to getting up at 5 so that I can give God my five to ten minutes before I get my day going. What a sacrifice that that must be for all of us. Prayer is something that is just normal. Thank you for the food that you've placed upon the table. Amen. Nehemiah's burden brought him to a place of sacrifice. It is an untapped power that God has given to us, this thing of prayer, this thing of being able to communicate with God. Nehemiah wept bitterly and began to beg God. I don't know how many of you have ever done a fast of any kind, but fasting is not necessarily an easy thing. It said that Nehemiah fasted and prayed. And I don't know the length of his fast, but there's a sacrifice that goes to a fast. 
There's a sacrifice that, that goes into those things. And Nehemiah sacrificed. He, he poured everything out. Not just for a day, but for weeks and weeks. I don't know about... I, didn't, I haven't got a chance to just hang out with Nehemiah. But I wonder if we were to just sit down and talk with Nehemiah, if we were to say, hey, Nehemiah, let me ask you this. Would you ever have in a million years thought that a conversation with your brother that brought you to your knees would have ever brought you to a place where you're standing on a wall and you're conducting men to build a wall as another portion of the men are holding their swords and are are ready for battle? Would you ever have imagined in a million years? My guess would have been just like the same thought for all of you would go, well, no. I'd never thought that my faithfulness would have brought me to this place. But yet here we are, how many thousands of years later, one of the greatest feats that's ever been done in all of human history is the rebuilding of the wall in the time that it took, in the rebuilding of the wall, in the leadership that it took, in the rebuilding of the wall, in the dedication, and all of these things. We still talk about those things. Why? Because he did something. The burden caused him to go greater and beyond anything. It was sacrificial. It was so many things. But within that, he just began to beg God. And he started in this prayer and it came to pass when I heard these things and he goes on and I fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Maybe we could look at this and from the New Testament side of things and we would look at the Lord teaching us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What were they doing? Jesus taught them to praise. Jesus taught them to speak to the Father. Jesus taught the disciples that that we would praise the name of God. Hallowed be thy name. Nehemiah came to God and he just didn't say, God, God, I need all of these things. No, he began to say, God, you are great. God, you are You deserve my reverence. God, you are amazing. God, you are... And he began to just praise God. Great and terrible. We use the word terrible not in a good way usually. That was a terrible dinner. That was a terrible movie. That was a terrible whatever. That is a terrible outfit you have on. All of these things, right? I wasn't speaking to anyone in particular. (laughs) Mothers, you look fabulous. But we, we don't use that word what was being used as a fear and as an awe and as a reverence. And Nehemiah just said, God, as I'm coming to you, you know my heart. You know, he, he said, God, you're so good. God, I, I really... Maybe this is, I've said this so many times in prayer, God, I don't even know what to say. (laughs) God, but I know you are all of this. I know that you're holy. I know that you're just. I know that you are righteous. And why you would even listen to me, I don't know. But I understand these things, that you are all of this. You are awesome. And he just pours it out. Day after day after day after night. He was burdened and he did what he knew to do, which was turn to God. 
And it says in this passage, and if we were to go back to all of the historical parts of this, he says in, in for the end of the God of heaven, he specified exactly what God he was praying to. This morning, the scripture in Psalm says, if, if we don't cry out, the rocks will. If we don't praise his name, the rocks will. Nehemiah cried out and praised his name. Praise the name, the great and terrible God, to the God who keeps his covenant. And this morning, I think we could all stand and say, my God is awesome. My God is great. My God is terrible. He is to be feared. He is to be revered because of his great glory. He is worthy of all of our praise. Let me ask you this morning. Is the God that you worship big enough to handle the burden that you face? Is the God that you worship big enough to handle the burden that you face? Nehemiah may not have known that he was going to be the one that was going to be traveling to build a wall or to rebuild a wall. But he knew this one thing, that his God was big enough to handle any burden that was faced and placed upon his shoulders. This morning, do we go to God in such a manner that we are seeking His face, that we are burdened before Him, praising Him for who He is, knowing that my God is big enough to handle the burden that we face. He is the God who keeps His word. He had and has a covenant with the children of Israel, and He will keep His word. He promised to bless them if they were obedient. He also chastened them when they were not. This morning as we look at that first thought that that burdened prayer to Nehemiah brought him to a place of praising God with everything that he had as he did exactly what he knew to do. A burdened prayer also brings me and brings us to a place of pleading with God. The second thought is that Nehemiah was pleading with God. That we would plead with God. To please is to urge for or against something or someone. It's to attempt to persuade. To urge using His passion. To plead is all of these things. We are using our passions to plead our case. If we were to go to the court of law or whatever it would be and we would stand before a judge and you were innocent, you would plead with everything that you had, all of your innocence. You would plead with the judge. You would plead with your lawyer. You would plead with the, 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 the authority that's before you, whatever it would be. We would be pleading, begging. Here we look at Nehemiah. And he began to plead. He began to plead with God. In verse number uh, 6 there. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant. God, I can imagine maybe Nehemiah just sitting down upon his knees and he was, he was knelt down before God and he said, God, would you hear me? God, do you see all of these things that are taking place before this city? God, would you hear me? God, would you please just answer? It wasn't. He didn't just come before God and say, well, God, I know that there's something really, there's something going on over there. I'm a little busy with all of this over here. 
So I'm going to ask that you take care of it. No, he began to weep. He, he began to be burdened. And he didn't just say, God, would you? No, he began to plead with God. As I read this passage, that was just how I, I kind of read it in that manner, that, that he was pleading with God. God, would you hear me? God, would your eyes be open that you can see what was taking place? God, I'm pleading with you. God, I'm begging with you. My burden is so heavy, I don't know what else to do. But I'm, God, would you just hear me? He began to plead with God. I think of this passage, there's a few passages that kind of jumped in my mind when I began to think of pleading with God. And I think of this. In Malachi chapter 3, God actually told them to, He kind of challenged them, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me. He said, Prove me. Now herewith that saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room even enough. I think of Nehemiah reading this, or maybe Nehemiah had some of those different things that were going through his mind where he was saying, God, I'm coming to you and I'm challenging you. God, I'm proving you that you are who you say you are. You've said you would do these things. You've, you've told Moses and you told Abraham and, and you did all of these things. And I'm coming to you. I want you to hear me. I want you to see what's going on. And I'm begging you. I'm asking you that you would prove yourself like you have in the time past. Have you challenged God lately? God says to, in that passage, hey, prove me. Prove me. Hey, why don't you give and watch what I do? I think sometimes we go to prayer and we think, well, I have this faith, but I'm not quite I don't know that I'm willing to just test God. I don't quite know if I'm ready to just do that. Nehemiah basically said, God, I want you to hear me. I want you to see what's going on. God, I'm asking you to do something. And when we ask God to do something within our faithfulness, I'm not going to tell you this, that everything that you do today is going to come out perfect and everything's going to be roses. But I promise you this. When we are faithful to God, He is faithful to us. What does it say in that passage? He says, which I pray, or right before them, in verse number five, for them that love him and observe his commandments, for those that or keep God keeps his covenant, and he is merciful to those that love him and observe his commandments. I think of all of these things. Now it's not asking for perfection, but as I do my best to do everything I can to seek God, and I'm, I'm bowing down before God, and I'm, I'm seeking Him. God, would you see me? God, would you hear? Would you, would you do those things? I'm telling you, God will do His part when we do our part. You know what's even more amazing? God does His part when we don't do ours. Nehemiah was begging God. Abraham said, God, what if there were 50 righteous? God, what if there were five less than 50? God, what if it was 10? Abraham was pleading with God over the lives of the people. Nehemiah cried out to God, God, hear me. Let your ear be attentive. God, let your eyes be open so that you'll hear me, that you would see what's taking place. God, I'm asking. God, I'm pleading. 
I wonder if Nehemiah thought or said, God, God, you see those walls. God, I'm, I'm sure that you've heard the people. I'm sure that you've seen the, the flames that are going on. God, things are not good. Have you ever just thought, have you ever, God, hey, do you see the struggle that's going on in my world right now? Have you ever just thought that? <laughs> I have. Nehemiah is saying, God, I'm, I'm begging you. God, I'm pleading with you. I'm reminded of the story of the rich man and Lazarus. As the rich man begged God that he would give one drop of water. God, would you send someone to my family? In Luke chapter 16, that passage is there. He was begging from hell. He was begging because he understood that the flames of torment were real. I'm compelled to ask, is your burden so great that you would beg God today? Is your burden so great that you would beg God today? I've had to ask myself this, and I've prayed through some of these things. God, would you burden me more? God, would you burden me for others? Before I go to this last point this morning, the thought that comes to my mind with Nehemiah, or one of the thoughts is, he wasn't burdened for himself. He wasn't pleading God for him. He wasn't saying, God, would you give me strength? God, would you do this for me? God would, no, his burden was for people. It was for the the people that he had never even been to. We looked at that last week. He had never been to Jerusalem. But he knew those were his people. He knew that God had a covenant with them. And I can't help but think, what if our burden was so much so that it's not about me. It's not about my burden for what God, God would you for me, for me, for me. No, his burden was for them. Even more so, them that he didn't know. Have you begged God for your neighbors that you don't even know? Have you begged God for your neighbors that you don't even know? We prayed for our neighbors before we moved into our neighborhood. God, would you give us a great place that we could love on our neighbors? Would you give us good neighbors? Last week, Sunday before the mayhem, I had a great opportunity. One of my neighbors recently moved about six to nine months ago. And we've maintained a a little bit of communication back and forth, but he came to our office Sunday afternoon at about 2.30 I sat down and I got to share the complete gospel message with my neighbor, Brian. And I told Brian, I said, Brian, I just want you to know that I've prayed for you. Before I knew who you were, I prayed that God would give me a neighbor that we could love on, that we could just be the example that we need to be. And I said, I pray on a regular basis that God would bring you to salvation in your family. I just, I don't normally say that to people, but I felt that I just, as I'm sitting there and I said, Brian, I don't, I'm not going to force you to make a decision today, but Jesus loves you. He created you for a relationship with him. 
And I went through the whole thing that our sin separates us from that relationship and it breaks that relationship. I went through that whole process. And I said, Brian, there's no greater decision that you can ever make than to give your life to Christ and to, to fall in love and have that relationship with Him. I didn't know Brian when I began to pray for Brian. I didn't know him. When the sign went up in his front yard, I didn't know David, who's moved in three months before moving, David's wife had randomly passed. I didn't know that. I wish I could say God has burdened me and I just have wept days and days and days. To be honest, I haven't. But I know God has given me a passion to reach people that are in my neighborhood. In my community, are we burdened to the sense that we would plead with God, God, would you use me to reach them, those that I may not even know? A burdened prayer would bring me to a place of pleading with God. And lastly, this morning, a burdened prayer will bring us to a place of fervency towards God. Nehemiah had a fervency. As I think of this story and I think of somebody that is fervent, somebody that is constant, we hear the the passages of Scripture, pray without ceasing. It is a a non-stop, a a non-ending prayer. It is us going before God constantly, day and night, that our thoughts are with God. And I said this a few weeks ago, the only way that we can have a a burdensome prayer uh, that we would pray without ceasing is that we are constantly in tune with God, that our walk with God, our relationship with God, God has to be in the forefront of our mind in order for me to pray without ceasing. If I'm not thinking of God and God's on the forefront of my mind, guess what I'm not doing? I'm definitely not praying. But not only that, but to pray without ceasing, I have to have something to pray for people that my, my, my heart is open to God, that I would be tender to what God would bring to me, that the Spirit would be able to, to speak to me and say, hey, would you pray for this person? Would you this or that or whatever that burden would be? And that we would have that. But Nehemiah, when I think of this thought of being fervent, I think of this. We live in a day and age, and I know that it's, It's been some time, but I believe more than ever, we live in a day and age that is 100% filled and fueled by your emotion and mine. Your news media does one thing. It strives to reach into your emotions and get you to think in a specific way. Everything that we do, everything that you read, all of these things are what? It's to prick into your heart just to get your emotions running. When my emotions are running, I will do a lot of things. People die because my emotions got the best of me. Well, not me, but I've never killed anybody. Boyfriend and girlfriend's relationships go bad. Their emotions get the best of them. Somebody ends up dead. It's emotional. We are irrational oftentimes when our emotions get the best of us. Nehemiah was not emotional. Yes, there was emotions that drove him. Yes, there was tears. Yes, there were emotions. Emotions are not bad, but he wasn't driven for emotion. If you are fervent in prayer, that is that you are constantly seeking the face of God in prayer. If you are, listen, 
Emotions don't just drive you for months and months. Passion and fervency may, but emotions come and go. I'm really mad at you one day, something happens the next day, we're laughing together, we're having a good time. We, we have to, you forget what just took place. Emotions. How many, you have children, right? They hate each other. Dad, I'm never talking to my friend Joseph on the, he, he said this mean thing to me at the playground. And we're like, son, it's okay. The next day, man, my best friend Joseph. And you're like, why? It's emotion. He was fervent in his prayer. Praying without ceasing. Day and night, it says in chapter, or verse number 6, I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants. It wasn't just something that got him upset. It drove him. Our society is so focused on an emotion that I believe sometimes even within our church culture, we don't really fully even know how to just have longevity in a relationship with God. Because if I don't feel something today, where did God go? He just left me. That's what we do. My feelings aren't what I want, so I'm going to change. I'm going to go switch. No. When it comes to a relationship with God, when it comes to a relationship with your spouse... He made me mad. She made me mad. You know what? Fine, I'm leaving. What? Every day, all day. We might not like it, but that's what happens. We wouldn't have divorce rate that's nearly 60% if that wasn't the case. It's emotion. We're not grounded on something. Listen, my relationship with God, I will promise you, it's not perfect. You know why? Because I'm not perfect. And there's times in my walk with God where I'm not as fervent because my emotions have gotten the best of me. But when we just live on emotions, the roller coaster of life will take us off and we will eventually get to a place where we say, you know what, I don't even know if God exists. I don't even know that God cares for me. God this. And we begin to go through all those things. Why? Because we live off emotion. Nehemiah was not based on emotion. His fervency his walk with God drove him that burden drove him beyond just his emotion but God grabbed the gripped a hold of him and he gave and he placed a burden upon his heart and he began to act upon that day and night day and night day and night the verse that came to my mind was this second Timothy chapter four and verse two Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. I know that this is not teaching on, or this was not a lesson on uh, being fervent, but I think of this. This was on sound doctrine, that we would be prepared to give an answer for my faith. Paul writing to Timothy, Timothy, you need to be prepared in every circumstance. I thought of this passage of Scripture. If I'm not in a constant state of harmony with God, when tough, when tough times come, 
when the seasons that, that come hit us, and I don't, know, I don't really have that answer, I, I just kind of, yeah, I get upset, I get angry. God, who are you and where are you? For the person in this room that is walking the closest with God, when that season comes, it's going to rock your world. It's going to rock your world. The difference is you had a relationship moving into that. If you have no relation moving into that, and then the world is rocked, it's harder to stay. Because the foundation wasn't stable. It's not set. Being instant, in season, and out of season. Listen, something's going to happen this next year, this next month, that's going to cause you to step back and go, oh my, what net? What's, what do I do? If we are living a life with God in relationship, in fervency with Him, that is that I'm, I'm having that walk and I have a foundation, I promise you, yes, it's going to happen. Yes, it's going to hurt. But when there is a foundational peace, just like Nehemiah, he had the relationship and so he was able to praise him. He had the relationship and so he pleaded with God, God, would you hear me? God, would you do what needs to be done? And he had that relationship so he was able to maintain fervency in his prayer day and night and day and night. This morning, I'm very well aware that today is Mother's Day and this is not a mother's sermon. But whether you're a mom or you're a dad or you're a grandparent or you're a college kid, if you're a high school kid, a junior high kid, whatever it is that you sit here, I would ask you this. Would you beg God that he would give you a burden that is greater beyond you? Or maybe you're facing one of those burdens right now and I would ask you this. Maybe you would just go to God and praise. Maybe you would go to God and plead with God, not just for five minutes, but would you plead with God? Would you be fervent? Would you pray without ceasing? Not because of, God, would you do this for me? But God, you have something greater than this. God, can this, whatever is facing me, can it impact somebody else? God, how can this be used for you? This morning, I would just ask again those questions. God, our, our church, are we, are you burdened today? Are you burdened today? Maybe you're a little calloused. Man, I've just, it's mundane. Maybe it was the very beginning when I say, made the statement that we don't sacrifice in our prayer time, we don't sacrifice to give to God. We live in a pretty easy world when it comes to our Christianity. I don't know of one of you that lives and has it tough as a Christian. Well, my, my co-worker makes fun of me. Uh, yeah, good. But you go to church, nobody questions you other than somebody picks on you because you had a faith. Now, we've got it easy. I've got it easy. 
The most discomfort I have is when somebody asks me what I do and their tone of everything changes. That's the most discomfort I have as a Christian. I don't know that I, I don't know that I fully know what sacrifice is when it comes to my spiritual walk. Shame on me. Shame on me. Maybe it would be that I need to have a better understanding and a better burden to where my heart is burdened enough that there's no other option but to sacrifice. Because God, you have to do something or this ain't going to end well. I don't know what it is. But would, would you pray that God would give you a burden? Would you praise God? Would you please with God? And would you be fervent? Would you pray without ceasing? That God's will would be done inside of your burden. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Again, thank you for checking us out online. If you have never been to one of our services, it would be such an honor to have you as one of our guests. If you have made any decision today, our staff would love to celebrate with you. Would you please email us at info at oasislv.church.